Hello, my name is Hayley Morris and this is Conversation Time. Welcome back to Conversation Time. What a week this has been. So first of all, we went back into our second nationwide lockdown. Nationwide? Is that the word? That's, you know, nationwide is on your side. You know what I mean? We went into another lockdown, which has just not been ideal for so many different reasons. And I just wanted to say I am thinking of anyone that is in a vulnerable position and that is struggling with their mental health. And I just want to say we can get through this again. We've, We've done it before. We can do it again. We will come out of this stronger and just just try to remain as hopeful as possible. Everything is temporary. There will be an end to this. And moving on from that, the second thing that happened this week that has literally just been announced as I am recording this because I've had it on my computer since it started. It is the US election update that we've all been waiting for. Biden has won the presidency of the US election 2020. And I am just over the bloody moon about this. I think it's just a great way to end the week, personally. Um, Um, I don't want to get too political because, you know, that isn't really what I'm about on this podcast, but I just, I am thrilled that this is the result. And I think it's just, it's, it's very good news for America. Anyway, we'll get back to the podcast and the main reason for this podcast. I am joined today by just a wonderful, wonderful lady. Her name is Olivia Smith and she is someone that I have met through Disney. She wasn't on one of my programs, but I always say this about Disney, Disney. And if you've worked there, you are part of the Disney family and when you work on the program, it's like you're surrounded by your brothers and sisters, but I I hope that doesn't class me and Chris's brother and sister because we did meet on the program, but you know, you're all part of this family. And if you're not on the same program, I feel like they're like your cousins because you know them still, you get to know them, you meet them. And essentially that is Olivia to me. She is my Disney cousin. So Olivia is just amazing. And I had to get her on this podcast because there's so many things I wanted to ask her. And today we spoke about her Crohn's disease, her experience, her journey with that. And we also spoke quite a bit about her year sober. She did this to raise awareness for Crohn's disease and to raise money for Crohn's disease. And it was just a really eye-opening experience for her. And it was something that I really just wanted to talk to her about and learn more about. And now just to clear a few things up, we do talk about head lasses and happy Mondays on this. And if you are not familiar with this, it's basically part of the Disney program. It's not affiliated in any way at all, but it's something that everyone gets involved with when you work there. Uh, Essentially, it's kind of like a team sport, but it's drinking and the head lasses are the presidents of their team. And that's that kind of should clear that up. You can Google and find out loads more about that online if you want to, because I do believe it is quite famous now. But without further ado, let's jump straight into the conversation. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. What have you been up to? Not a whole lot this year, generally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been, I got made redundant in July. Mm-hmm. So I've been um, looking for jobs yeah. and I uh, was uh, auditioning with the London Dungeon in October. So uh, mm-hmm. now I've got that job. I'm just learning lines mostly and uh, playing with the cat. You know what's so weird though is that I started listening to your podcast mm. in August and I listened to the one you did on manifesting like 
yeah. several times and it just got <laughs> me like really back into it because I read the secret and stuff but I'd never gotten as into it as I am now and I swear I manifested this happening really you know how like yeah have you ever like imagined like if you were famous who would interview you and I was like you know like Graham Norton and Oprah Winfrey yeah. and then I was listening to your podcast and I was like oh it'd be so cool to be on that podcast I'd really love that and I kind of imagined it for a minute I was like but that, you know, that's not gonna happen and then I got your message and I was like oh my god it's happened <laughs> oh my god you manifested it <laughs> yeah, oh, I love amazing. that that's so yeah. cool oh, like a no. come full circle yeah I feel like the whole manifesting and getting into the law of attraction has been really important this year because I feel like it's almost like when you've got nothing I don't know when you feel like you're losing everything and you've got no like no foundations around you it is the only thing you can turn to really like I feel like a lot of people have turned to religion a lot of people have turned to spirituality like whatever they believe in they've really kind of gone fully into because it does like in in times like this like there is that feeling inside you like I need to I need to pray on it or like wish for something good to come along yeah I mean I've been uh meditating and Mm. like I've just found even like writing daily gratitude lists just makes you feel so much better about the situation yeah you just focus on something really small that's happening that's good Mm. just changes your whole mindset and otherwise you're just going to be spiraling a lot yeah which is so easy to do I always say like I think it's really important to be with your feelings but not to be with them for too long because I think if you sit there and you wallow in it for more than a day like I think a whole day spending it being like right I'm really down I'm just gonna let myself be down and do all the things that I want to do but then if you take it into the next day and if you keep taking it on and on and on then you're just gonna get into a worse place and I know it's so hard like I but I try and live my life by that saying that's like keep it in the day just keep it to that day wake up the next day it's a whole new opportunity and then you know just let it go and hope that you can kind of come out of it which I know is so hard to do oh so especially this year of all years because there's not a lot of distraction it's like you can't see your friends and there's so many things that you would normally do to cheer yourself up that you can't do like I love going to the theatre so if I was Mm. having a bit of a damn day I might even just go on like today ticks and try and get day seats for the show to cheer myself up I was actually um shielding this year as well so I wasn't even supposed to go out for like walks for three months I, I live in quite a small flat so yeah that and that was before we got the cat as well so that was uh that was a tough time a lot. yeah and so how how has it been shielding it was a lot of different things I think I was relieved initially like when the lockdown was announced because there was that sort of period of uncertainty mm. I'd already asked to start working from home um because I started to feel a bit unsafe coming into work and then literally I think I was only home by myself for a couple of days and then the rest of my office all started working from home but I think it got harder like I was only working from home for two weeks and then uh I got furloughed like a lot of people in my company mm-hmm. and then it was just from April until the end of June not working not mm-hmm. able to go outside and like do couch 5k like everyone else yeah um like really not a lot to do uh and I think I felt I really struggled with like feeling like I wasn't being productive enough or yeah. like I felt really guilty for not using this time to like get into exercising because uh there's not really a lot of room in this flat to exercise indoors yeah and I couldn't go out and um, so yeah I think um mentally I struggled a lot with I'm not doing anything with all this time mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people can relate to that I think that's the problem I think when you're given all this time off work and especially if you're not working from home there's so many hours in the day we were like right okay so finally what I should do is learn a language get fit 
learn to do something new that I've never tried doing before and it is so much pressure like I I felt it at the beginning I was like well actually at the beginning because I just got back from America I kind of was still in this headspace where I was like oh I'll probably be going back in a few weeks it's only gonna last a little while not not months um which you know I think a lot of us were very naive in that way but you know I kind of didn't have it the 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 very beginning but then after that initial period when I found I wasn't going back that's when I put so much pressure on myself I was like oh I should be starting whole new ventures I should be like doing all this and you know read this many books a day start this start that and I was like oh my god there's too much and my to-do lists were extreme and like I would look at them get overwhelmed and go nah not today yeah oh my god I'm the one though because even with like Netflix I'm like well I shouldn't re-watch stuff I should be watching like new movies and new tv shows yeah and have new experiences and it's like babe watch friends if you want it's yeah. fine yeah like this is a weird year let's just be okay with the fact that it's it's fine to do nothing and just have a bit of normality you know a bit of comfort just be kind to yourself that's the most important thing exactly no more pressure this this lockdown I'm like yeah there's not gonna be any pressure the only thing I'm putting myself accountable to is reading because I usually read so much but this year I don't know what it is I think it's like the distraction of everything that's going on that I'm kind of being like oh I'll um I'll spend more time online and doing this that and the other and I've gone do you know what I watch so much tv why am I watching TV? I wouldn't usually watch this much. What I'd usually do is take comfort in a book. So I am going to read more this lockdown. That's my only task. The only one. Nice. <laughs> I read a few books in the, in the last one, mm. but yeah, not as many as I thought I was going to get through. Definitely. Yeah. I think I put like a pile of 12 books aside at the beginning of lockdown. I maybe read four or five of them. So that's really good going. Yeah. yeah. More than I did. I yeah, you I should be. you've got all that knowledge now (laughs) so yeah what I wanted to talk to you about today is obviously your Crohn's and like kind of your journey with it and like what I want to know is first of all how did you first get diagnosed and like what was the lead up to that like how did you find out that you had it or did you have an inkling before you were diagnosed like what was the process there well I got diagnosed in 2011 Mm -hmm. um so quite a long time ago now yeah Uh, I was in my final year of uni down in Portsmouth and it kind of snuck up on me like um like the main symptom of Crohn's disease is just more frequent trips to the bathroom but I kind of just thought oh you know it's just an upset stomach or it's stress or like I had too much going on with my dissertation and I was like going through a breakup and graduating and moving back home so I kind of didn't pay that much attention to it I thought it was a bit odd but I thought it would pass yeah and then obviously my mum was like no like you should go to the doctor so um, mm-hmm. I had to get some blood tests and then ultimately they didn't they couldn't diagnose it without doing a colonoscopy so those are a real ordeal I mean and if you have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease anything in yeah. the IBD family you have to have them fairly regularly just to check that you're not getting mm-hmm. cancerous cells down there and stuff so um yeah so I had to have a colonoscopy um which means no food for the whole day and you have to drink laxatives and uh yeah it's it's a, not a great 24 yeah. hours um but the meal afterwards is really satisfying yeah i can imagine <laughs> um, yeah i think i had a kebab after my first one it was great. <laughs> um so uh, yeah i got diagnosed in 2011 and i think the thing that took a while to hit for me is like it's a it's a chronic illness so mm-hmm. you know there's no cure um it's lifelong um and you can never be cured of it you can only go into remission 
with drugs or diet or a combination of both so I think for a long time I kind of swept it under the carpet and then I like very few people even knew that I had it like Mm -hmm. I didn't tell my workplace for years and years like I even moved abroad worked at Disney in America people didn't know over there it's funny actually because when I did start talking openly about it I got a message from someone who was on my program Mm -hmm. and they said I have it as well and Mm -hmm. neither of us knew that the other one had it um which is sad because we could have kind of been there for each other yeah and being over there with American healthcare as well was quite daunting I can imagine um, yeah so I mean it was really from being diagnosed in 2011 right through to 2019 so I spent eight, eight years like not really openly talking about it and it definitely made things harder for me and also stress can exacerbate it so um it was much better when I started talking openly about it yeah I can imagine and when you were diagnosed like was there anything that you had to change in your lifestyle yeah there's definitely uh things that you can do I mean everyone's different my mum is very into nutrition so Mm -hmm. she was very much looking at um solving it purely through diet she's a bit wary of medications as well and side effects i would say anything that would make a regular person run to the loo definitely avoid if you have crohn's so things like yeah i love coffee but i can't really have more than one in a day it's kind of a treat for me coffee um alcohol i can't have anything high fiber so like i had to give up brown bread brown rice brown pasta yeah and people are super judgy when they don't know you're eating like white bread and I'm like yeah. no I have to yeah um, I have to eat this yeah, most that. yeah yeah you don't know I know <laughs> but yeah no uh most avoiding high fiber and has it been difficult to like when you first got it was it difficult to adjust to knowing you had it yeah I think it definitely took a while for me to get my head around it um but I remember this was like back in the day when tumblr was a really big thing and I remember yeah. being on tumblr and like searching it in the tags mm-hmm. and then seeing a lot of like because a, a lot of IBD patients do eventually have to have their colon removed and so then they have a colostomy bag mm-hmm. or a stoma I don't quite know what the difference is or if it's the same thing yeah but seeing pictures of like girls with stomas like I remember like coming downstairs and just being in tears to my mom and being like I really don't want this to happen to me mm. I mean luckily I'm at the point like normally a lot of uh people have to have surgery within 10 years of being diagnosed and thankfully I am not there I'm still doing okay without I'm, I'm on some medication but uh, I have no surgery planned so that's good that's definitely a relief yeah definitely a positive I mean I've definitely seen on Instagram people sharing pictures of them wearing their stoma and kind of making it way more normal because I think stuff like this isn't really talked about enough and I think I realize this a lot with several different things in my life and other people's life like when something like I think cancer kind of aside because I think there's so much awareness around cancer but when you look at other things there's almost this attitude where it's like well it's not affecting me and it's not happened to me so why should I care and then when it does happen it's suddenly like holy shit I didn't know anything about this and I've seen that a lot with so many different things I mean I myself have been ignorant to a lot of it um, and like the one big thing for me was obviously dementia when I was like fuck this is bad and I mean for you it must be the same with Crohn's you know I guess you never expected to get it and then when you 
did get it, it's almost like you just want to get everyone talking about it and everyone aware of it because, you know, it, it isn't like everyone is immune from disease or chronic illness. Yeah. It, it can happen to anyone. Yeah, I, think, I didn't even know it was a thing until I got it. I mean, mm. I was like, what, how old was I? 20, I think, when I first started exhibiting symptoms. It seems like, I don't know whether people are just being more open about it or mm. whether the cases are increasing, but I've definitely, since I got diagnosed, heard of more cases of um, Crohn's disease. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a bit of a shock, definitely. Do you feel like at the beginning, did it affect you in day-to-day life? Oh, definitely. I think yeah. um, more so in the first couple of years mm. than now that I've learned to manage it. But it was just, every time I went out, you know, I had to know where the nearest bathroom yeah. was. And also when your symptoms are really bad, it's not just frequent trips to the loo, but it's my joints would seize up, like my, they would get red and they would hurt, or I would just be, it's very, very tiring as well. And sometimes I would get home from work and just go straight to bed at like yeah. seven o'clock in the evening and just sleep through 12 hours till the morning because I just had no energy. I mean, my doctor prescribed me things like iron supplements and uh, vitamin D tablets, calcium, things like that, because we're using a lot of nutrients I think the first couple of years were really tough but by 2014 obviously I felt confident enough to be able to move countries with it yeah yeah it does get better and like right now how are you like finding it in terms of I guess talking to other people about it and being open about it how are people kind of receiving it really well I think people are very like they want to know more and they want to be Mm -hmm. understanding and they want to help if they can and it's kind of like looking back now I'm like oh what was I so worried about like why did I feel like I couldn't talk about this I guess because my mum talked about it so much when I was at home I kind of just wanted to not have to think about it when I was socializing with my friends and stuff but then sometimes like it's so much nicer for me now if I'm out with one of my friends and I get like stomach cramps that I can just say to them oh can we just can I sit down for a minute because they'll pass or can we find the nearest bathroom or like it it's good to talk about it openly because then you're not alone and people can help Uh, I only really started talking about it at the beginning of last year and uh, yeah it's really made a difference good it's difficult isn't it because I think when you open up about stuff like this you don't want it to become your identity because I think there's so many people that they open up about something personal in their life or they open up about something they're going through and it's almost like suddenly everything about you becomes that like it just engulfs your life and I think you've you've managed that quite well because I know there's a lot of people that you know if they are advocates for something it's kind of all they're known for but I think it's important to always address like at you know first and foremost you are Olivia and you're just trying to get the message out there about you know what you've gone through and what you're dealing with and you know how important it is to talk about and that people should be aware of it yeah yeah I didn't want it I think it's that thing whenever you find out that someone's had an illness and they haven't spoken about it it's like mm. you don't want to be treated differently or like no. handled with kid gloves or any of that mm-hmm. and you just need people to know almost just for practicality it's yeah but it doesn't have to be like a big deal and I think that's something I've really struggled with and I'm sure a lot of people who have been shielding this year have struggled with if like feeling like a burden definitely been an issue because it's like um one of my housemates moved out earlier in the year and my landlord had to fill the room and what was already sort of a complicated process because of covid then became even more complicated because people couldn't come and view the house because of me it's like I had to be shut away in my room or we had to do like video calls first and it just made everything so much more hassle 
sure. And you just feel like, oh, you know, none of this would be happening if it weren't for me and my Crohn's disease. And but everyone's been really understanding and supportive. So, but it's also, I think you have to remember all of this. Like, none of that would have been happening if it wasn't for COVID. Like, it's not you. Like, I think COVID's just made everything so much harder. And I guess it is really difficult in that situation to not feel like it's you that's making it as difficult. But yeah, so I think it's always important to remember that COVID's the thing that's fucking everything up, not you. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the, the real enemy here. <laughs> but yeah. so what was it? A year or I can't even make sense of time anymore. Was it a year and a half ago now that you did the the year sober to raise so, money? Yeah. And it, it's funny because it was kind of like something I decided to do on a whim on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, New Year's Eve 2018 coming into 2019. Yeah. I had just been, I did something which I'm sure would be most people's idea of hell, which mm-hmm. was <laughs> I wrote down a list of like all the terrible decisions I had made that year whilst I was drunk. Oh gosh. <laughs> I still have it. I found it the other day. Um, yeah. And I think just, I'm sure pretty much everyone can relate to waking up after like a big night out mm-hmm. and having what they call beer fear, where you're it's like, real oh thing. my God what did I do? What did I say? And like how, I mean, I have like anxiety a little bit anyway, only mildly, but like mm-hmm. I found like that was always really heightened after a night out. If you can't remember, cause uh, my lass's name was Obliviate because I drink and then I don't remember what I do. <laughs> oh, aren't we all like that? Yeah. So yeah, I wrote that list and then I was like, do you know what? I'm going to do it. I was actually, I was inspired by my colleague Anton mm-hmm. who had, he had run every day for a year. So he'd run at least 5k every single day for an entire year and raised a load of money. Mm-hmm. Um, he did it for mind. And I was like, well, I know I can't do that. Or <laughs> that would be a much, much bigger challenge for me. And I was like, but I could, I could give up alcohol for a year. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be easy, but it's something I think I would be capable of. And yeah. also I was like, it's something I think a lot of other people might not be capable of, or mm-hmm. it would be more of a struggle for them. So I thought it will get attention. It will give me a break from embarrassing myself. Um, it would probably be good for my body as well, my yeah. bank balance. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And I just kind of just decided that night. Yeah. And also because I hadn't really spoken openly about my Crohn's disease, I was like, it's a really good way of doing that as well. Because one thing in the UK, if you're not drinking, people need to know why. Like yeah. they, you have to give them an answer. It actually really got me thinking about that as well, because it's very, it, it got me thinking about drinking culture in this country and how normalized it is and how young we start drinking and why we drink and things that we only have permission to do when we're drunk. Yeah. Like I, I just recently joined TikTok. I'm very behind. There is a TikTok, which is like, oh, you don't really drink. How do you have sex? How do you talk about how you really feel? Yeah. And like, I didn't have drunk sex until I was like 23. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that's not the case for lot of people so yeah I think I I sort of began to notice a lot of things about the drinking culture in this country it's crazy it's something that you don't even think about because I I've been kind of toying with the idea of sobriety for a while now you know I just I feel the same way as you did at that beginning stage where I was kind of like I always wake up the day after and not only do I have that beer fear and that anxiety like what did I do what did I say to people Um, I also get that horrible fatigue afterwards where I'm so tired because the hangover 
does kill me now. Like, I don't know what it is. When you get closer to 30, it's just like, nah, my body can't, like, can't cope with it at all anymore. So I was like, oh, do you know what? I kind of just don't like feeling that way anymore. And I also, I really don't like the feeling of being drunk. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So I kind of was toying with it in October I just didn't drink and I found personally whenever I'd go out somewhere like it was my uh, mum's birthday last week or the week before whenever it was and I was with my family and they were going oh you're boring you're not drinking and I was like why does why do why do I have to be like only fun if I'm drinking I was like I'm still fun I'm just not drunk and it's such a weird concept that if you're not drinking you're suddenly boring and I I don't know what it is yeah I that's like my pet hate it's like so before you started drinking were you like never fun in your life is that how that works <laughs> I yeah I don't like that attitude at all because I feel, mm. feel like yes you can have fun like I actually was thinking about coming on this podcast and saying like you know I did a sober year and worrying that people would think I was boring yeah and I do enjoy a drink but also I don't feel like I have to drink to be fun or I have to mm-hmm. drink to socialize I know they call it like the social lubricant yeah but I also think that people justify certain behaviors by drinking um including myself it was something like when I sat down and wrote that list it was something I reflected on and I was like would I do these things when I was sober maybe but I might feel worse about it yeah and it's like being drunk isn't an excuse for doing things but yeah I mean it's not like I don't enjoy a drink we were both head lasses yeah (laughs) (laughs) both definitely liked to drink (laughs) true although I think I was kind of an unlikely choice for headlass in terms of my drinking abilities because I just I still to this day cannot chug a full red cup full of beer I can't do it I can't am I, I don't know what it is I can't do it <laughs> um, I I became headlass because I liked the social aspect of mm-hmm. happy Mondays and lasses and I, I like the only way to meet new people like what are the chances of socializing with people from the other pavilions if you're not going to happy Mondays yeah and it's also I I feel like it was you were bonding whilst being drunk it was like Mm -hmm. if you weren't drunk you probably wouldn't bond with other people I don't know it was Mm -hmm. it's a weird it's a weird concept it's a weird idea but I do feel like you get to know more people when you are drunk yeah it's that it's that like cliche of when you're in the girls bathroom and then you're the drunk girl who's like oh my god I love your hair and then you get talking you become friends which is Mm -hmm. I love it it's really cute but we shouldn't feel like we have to be drunk to like compliment someone or talk to someone new build the confidence people like we don't need it as a crutch no and I think that's the thing that I'm starting to learn is that first of all when you're around people that are drunk I don't think it matters how confident you actually are you can fake it because no one no one around they've all lost their inhibitions around you when people are drunk they kind of lose their inhibitions that judgment kind of falls away and so whatever you do when you're sober around drunk people is wildly accepted and so if you want to act like you're drunk and do all the same things you would do when you're drunk but with a sober mind it's Mm -hmm. like you know if you start doing that you start dancing in there you'll take it with you in other areas and you'll be like okay well if I can do it around people that are drunk and they're fine with it I can probably do it everywhere and you just slowly kind of build that confidence that you didn't have before but I guess we all just have this weird communication barrier up and I think I think it always comes from that what do they think of me like are they going to judge me for doing this like I know for me to get up at a wedding sober and dance is hell and I come from a performing arts background and I'm always like I don't want to dance in front of people even though I've done it on a stage many times but as soon as it's like you know freestyle and dance around I go so rigid and like I have to be drunk to do this so weird funny there's certain sort of acts 
that are very much associated with being drunk and one of them is dancing and the other one is sex so I just, that's really interesting I guess it's it's that vulnerability mm. um it's putting yourself out there and like and people potentially judging you yeah I mean yeah they call it Dutch courage for a reason mm-hmm. um because it emboldens you yeah that's that's really interesting I also find it feels quite empowering being sort of sober around drunk people um because not only you know you're just a bit more in control I don't know I like being in control of myself but uh it's interesting how people really don't like it if you're not drinking and I don't know whether it's like they don't feel like they're allowed to drink if you're not drinking but it's definitely something that people like everyone to be doing and that's I think why you get asked so much why are you not drinking which really is quite a rude question because you could be pregnant and not be ready to tell someone yet Mm-hmm. You could be a recovering alcoholic or have know someone who is like there's so many reasons why you might not be drinking. And if you say you're not drinking, then someone should just accept, accept it. it. Kind of like if you were like, oh, I'm not eating, I'm not hungry. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because th- there's always a bit of a kickback if you're out and other people are drinking and you're not. It's hard, isn't it? I think I I'm going to admit this on here, but none of them know who were in the Zoom call the other day. I did a Zoom quiz the other day with some Disney people and they were all drinking and I pretended to drink. They were like, where's your where's your bev? And I just went and poured a soda that was coloured into a glass and was like, here it is. No one asked what it was, but I just pretended that I was drinking because I I kind of feel as soon as you say you're not, everyone's like, go on, go. And then I think it would just take up time that I could, you know, we could be getting on with the quiz of me going, oh, this is why I'm not drinking. And then it's like the peer pressure, which like I know none of them would be like, go on, drink, drink. But it's kind of like there is just there's a stigma. 100 percent there's a stigma. And it's I, I just I've never really understood it, but I have have been that person that has gone oh just have one just have a drink because I don't know it's just ingrained into our society that you can't have fun unless you're drinking and everyone should be drinking but for me I, I think there's always been this thing where I've not had a full connection with alcohol all my life I've either had a relationship with it where I binge drink all the time and I get blackout drunk and I hate myself in the morning or I go through really long phases where I'm like "Mm, I don't really want alcohol like I'm fine without it and I'll do months and months on end without it and then I'll turn back to it and just have it really casually like oh I'll have a glass of wine tonight and then not for a a week or two I just I think we as a a nation do have a little bit of a an attachment to alcohol but it's just it's finding that balance yeah and I also having worked in a a corporate office environment for the last five years Mm -hmm. um it's very much part even of like work culture because my colleagues at my old office loved going to the pub would even go like in the middle of the week and we also had like a monthly night out as an office every um Um, every month it would be the third Thursday of the month so it would always be like on a day when we have to go into work the next day but it was like it was found funny and it was encouraged and it was enjoyed for people to like go out and absolutely wreck themselves the night before on like tequila shots and then coming to work the next day and be absolutely like zombies yeah and like I I never really understood that or really even participated in it like very much but it was very like a way that they sort of bonded in my office and the people who spent the most time at the pub were then sort of very much in favor which I think is strange (laughs) 
Yeah, it, it seems unfair. There is this, I think I've noticed it quite a lot because I've known a couple of people that haven't been drinkers, but we've done either office parties or something that involves like a kitty. And so you will put in a certain amount of money or there's money that's been accumulated from something at work. So say you have like a work kitty and it's not come out of your pocket, but it's like a reward system. So it's like at the end of the month, we do like this big blowout and we all go to the pub and, you know, all drinks are on us. It's kind of like, well, if I don't drink, what am I getting out of this? Like, what am I working for? And I noticed that a lot with a girl that I used to work with and we did do this monthly and she didn't get anything out of it. And I always just kind of felt like she must have this almost like frustration or just this lack of drive from it because, you know, she wasn't getting any reward and all she was doing was watching everyone else blow this money on alcohol while they were kind of, you know, quite smug about it. And then when I've done like hen parties or you've gone out for dinner, like I went out to my cousin's hen party last year and I had been so ill before I had really bad gastroenteritis and I couldn't drink and on the Friday night I was like the bill's really expensive because of the alcohol and I did kick up a bit of a stink and I do feel bad about it but I was like I kind of don't want to pay as much as everyone else and I kind of I felt bad but I was like I kind of don't want to pay as much as everyone else because you know I didn't I didn't get everything that everyone else got and I think that happens so often when people don't drink they suddenly feel like well why am I still paying or not seeing the reward when everyone else is getting something more out of it if that makes sense yeah it's like you've got to look at um like work incentives that aren't based around alcohol that could be based around something else like food or um, vouchers we had a voucher system at at my job like if you Mm -hmm. um if you won an award uh you would usually get an amazon voucher um which i think is great because you could use that for so many things yeah and also in terms of splitting the bill at a restaurant if you haven't been drinking you're gonna save quite a bit of money if you only pay for what you consumed and that was I think the sort of I got a lot of the same questions last year when I wasn't drinking which was do you feel better for it in yourself which I'm sure you also get as a vegan mm-hmm. I think that's probably a very common vegan question do you feel healthier like better in your body um have you saved a lot of money and then people would always be like to me oh well you could like you could just have like one drink and I won't tell anyone <laughs> Um, which was always funny but I would also be like if I have this drink I'm betraying the trust of like everyone who's been donating year-long project of mine so I'm, I'm not going to also I got so many messages on New Year's Eve like after midnight like you can drink are you so excited and I was like um, yeah not really like sure yeah. How Um, was it coming out of it then? It was exciting. I think there were moments definitely when I missed having a drink. But it would normally be like if I had a really stressful day at work. Yeah. Then I would want to go and have a drink. But Mm -hmm. then I sort of sat back and like looked at that. And I was like, why am I using this as a coping mechanism? Yeah. It doesn't actually solve or help in any way. Like if anything, it makes things kind of worse. Because then if I drink, I'm going to feel like crap tomorrow. And going to spend money uh, like there would be surely there's a better way to deal with having a stressful day at work like Mm -hmm. I could buy this bottle of wine or whatever or I could like book a massage that's a different way to de-stress which is arguably better for you so yeah I I did miss it especially on like special occasions like I did a trip out to Orlando where obviously I would normally 
drink quite a bit like going to food and wine festival like mm-hmm. halloween horror nights and stuff like that and and I, I actually did the most insane thing and went on an all-inclusive holiday to mexico in the may <laughs> and there were like all these gorgeous cocktails everywhere and i was like oh skin <laughs> alcohol ultimately um it was really worth doing and actually i noticed a positive uptick in things like my romantic relationships like i dated a couple of guys that year and i guess maybe it was just because i wasn't like getting drunk and texting them again it was just like being more in control of your decisions Mm -hmm. and just having that clarity found it was really beneficial for my life overall I can imagine because I think alcohol if you don't even realize it does affect your life in so many ways and like talking about the fact that after a hard day at work or in a stressful situation you'd think I want to drink now and then you reflect on the fact that you know why why am I thinking I need a drink to calm down from this situation a lot of us are guilty of that and I've looked at that before and I, I have had that response to stressful situations and we all do it we all say I need a drink I need I need a stiff drink after that and it's kind of like rather than turning to alcohol you can kind of turn inwards and be like right what's going on right now what can I address to make myself feel better and like you know booking yourself in for a massage or just sitting there and meditating on it or you know like finding another way to de-stress like going for a long walk it's so much better for your body and it just it's insane how much we use alcohol as a coping mechanism and it's like almost worrying because it it is so much and it's so kind of just flies under the radar like you don't even notice it it's just like a second nature almost I would say the thing like the reason I wrote down that list is just to have it in black and white in front of me of like these are the self-destructive behaviors that I justify with alcohol and with getting drunk and Mm. also drinking itself can be a self-destructive behavior but I think it's just about balance like it's Mm. being able to enjoy a drink or I mean I'm terrible for being a drunk crier (laughs) like depending on what I drink but usually if it's like wine definitely a drunk crier not all the time but I feel like it can exacerbate whatever mood you're already in as well so if I was already upset I might decide to have a drink to make myself feel better and then end up like ugly crying on the phone to like one of my my poor guy I used to date at uni is a very good friend of mine I remember calling him up drunk and he was like are you okay and I was like no I've been dating this guy for plenty of fish and he ghosted me why and then the next morning I was like oh my god what are you doing Um, yeah so it was nice just to take a break from that and think Mm -hmm. about different ways that I could uh, address my problems and make myself feel better like I followed this um, Instagram account which does these great posts uh, they're like hashtag boring Mm self-care and it do things like did my laundry cleaned the toilet made that doctor's appointment I was supposed to make like things you can do that aren't like glamorous or like Instagram worthy but are gonna make you feel better sounds really weird but I do think that cleaning the toilet does make you do like you feel a lot better you're like oh it's so much cleaner now <laughs> if you've got it on your to-do list and you keep putting it off and oh, I know I've got to do that I know I mm. do like I don't know if you've heard of that thing which is like eat your frogs um no. one of my colleagues used to say it all the time it's like when you've got something on your to-do list that you really don't want to do you should do it first first do it yeah. first thing in the morning eat your frog and then you feel so good afterwards mm. and then all the other things on your to-do list you just power through them because yeah. you've done that one thing off we always do that we always start with the easiest and then when it gets to the hard bit it's like your monkey brain goes nah don't do that leave that do that another day and then you get to the deadline of whenever it had to be done and you're like shit 
I want to do this really yeah. fast now. And it's something I really don't have the mental capacity to do. It's funny though, like when I used to wake up from a really, wasn't a bad hangover, but you know, um, you know, when you have a hangover and you wake up in that initial period and it's like really early in the morning and your hangover hasn't quite hit because you're probably a bit drunk still. And it's prior to you going back to sleep for another nap. That was like my productivity window. Like I always had this weird, yeah, it was weird. I used to wake up and it'd be like, almost like a guilt. I'd be like, oh. I, I think I got too drunk last night. Like I must have done something. And I'd be like, clean the bathroom, clean my room, get everything sorted. Like at uni, I used to do it constantly. Like my housemates would wake up and the house would be clean because I'd have this like weird anxiety, productivity first thing. And then I'd go back to sleep, wake up like a zombie, and the rest of the day would be a write off. I was like, oh God, I'm wasting so many days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing as well, is it's like the guilt the following day that you don't do mm. anything because you're so hungover, you just sort of lay in bed, stay in your pajamas all day you eat greasy food to make you feel better yeah. I mean like my hangover cure would normally be like Ribena or a coke and then mm-hmm. like a Greg sausage roll or a bacon sandwich or something like that so yeah it's, it's that guilt as well of mm. laying around wasting the day you check your bank balance look at all the money that you spent like not just on buying drinks but like getting an Uber home or the mm. worst is like when you end up at someone's after party and then you wake up on a sofa that is like Great. Right. The other side of London. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's that embarrassment that comes with that the walk of shame that you just don't want to do I mean I, I feel like that sort of decreases in likelihood as you get older mm. um, but I, I, don't, I don't miss that <laughs> no I mean I don't want to demonize alcohol because I don't think that there is anything wrong with you know consuming alcohol it's just coming from a place of like experiencing sobriety and sort of realizing what comes with it I mean like for me I think the thing I mainly have noticed in this last month and actually like I've not really been drinking properly since probably maybe like june july it's it's the money like i can't believe how much money we spend on alcohol and it's so unnecessary because it's quite literally being pissed away in a toilet or thrown up god yeah see i have like it's not quite a full fledged phobia but Mm -hmm. like i really don't like throwing up no (laughs) um so that yeah that's something that makes me not want to drink it's like i really really don't enjoy throwing up it's like people who do the uh the tactical chunder and i'm like how like that is my worst nightmare but i don't get the tactical chunder because once i'm sick i'm out i can't continue i know like the people who manage to do that the fact that there's even like a term for that and it's kind of considered semi-normal that's crazy i know what if you're drunk enough to be sick stop yeah and it's like just go have a tc like oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) no thanks yeah Yeah. like and i wonder like is that a thing in other countries is that do all humans do that is it strictly british i don't remember if anyone in america ever did it surely i feel like americans are kind of I mean, I hate to offend any Americans, but I do feel like we're better drinkers than most Americans. I think what I, uh, I found exhausting in America is that drinking always has to be a game. Yeah. They have no concept of a, a quiet one. Like <laughs> maybe it's the lack of pubs over there. I don't know what it is, but yeah, every drink you can't drink without it being a game in America. No, which is just tiring to me. <laughs> here it's such a social thing there it's such a like it's a social thing but it it comes with the game it comes with the competition it's like always competition oh yeah i mean there's so many games as well because there's like flip cup and beer pong and there's like you'll see that like wizard staff game yeah wizard staff with the beer cans and like it's kind of fun the first Mm -hmm. time you see it and do it and then once you've lived there a year you're like i really just 
don't please put the funnel away <laughs> I just want to have a nice quiet drink as I'm yeah. telling yeah right <laughs> I I booked a trip to go to the beach and mm-hmm. it was like I went to Cowboys the night before got up early in the morning got on a bus to go to the beach and to my horror it was a party bus and they got the funnel out oh, no. and I was like no I was at Cowboys n- not five hours ago please I just want to go to the beach I just want to lie down on the sand <laughs> just soak up the rays relax no it's hard to do that I do think I I don't know if it's everywhere I don't know if it's just because we're experiencing kind of like the college life when we do it out there but from what I've noticed from us being there and on tv shows which I always say like to anyone British who's never been to America what you see on tv is kind of what you actually get like I always thought before I went there to live that it was just kind of like heightened reality like it was all just you know it's all for show on tv it's not actually like that and then I went to my first house party and was like oh shit no it it is actually like that yeah Absolutely, yeah. Mm. I, I remember going to a house party with the, the American boys and, and they, people were doing keg stands and I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I think 2013 was my first American party when I was working at Universal and I walked into this random guy's house, this big house party I'd been invited to and there was like girls doing body shots and kegs everywhere. I was like, this is so fucking cool. But at the same time, I was like, how wild. That is not what we do in the UK. Like coming from uni in Brighton and then going to that, I was like oh we do it so different I was kind of jealous of the Americans to be fair yeah I think um it's something that's definitely come to light as well recently with the election I've Mm. seen a lot of memes and stuff online comparing like everything in America is bigger and it's kind of more glamorous and then the tweets I've seen about the election is like in Britain it's like some MP losing his job at three o'clock in the morning in like town hall (laughs) yes have you seen the picture of like the guy with like the bin on his head and it was like Elmo or something that's that's the funniest yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's like, what our election? Yeah, this is is legit, the UK. Yeah, I know, unbelievable. Yeah, very embarrassing. I've had people say to me as well, oh, aren't you glad that you did your sober year last year and not this year? And uh, I definitely have joked that I became a bit of an alcoholic during like lockdown and shielding. Like, Mm. I mean, I've drunk more this year than usual, I think. Like doing Zoom quizzes, I might be able to pound an entire bottle of wine in in a few hours and even have a couple of little cocktail tins afterwards. Yeah. And it got to the point where like we would have the online shopping come and I couldn't go out to the shops because I was shielding. Yeah. But there were a few occasions where they didn't bring me the wine that I'd ordered. And I was like to my housemate, you have to go out and get me some wine. Like I can't do Zoom quiz without some I have to have the wine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, like, no, I don't. Why did I feel like I had to have the wine? Like Yeah. It's hard. I think lockdown was like that for everyone. I just I remember me and Chris when we came back and we quarantined for two weeks, even though we didn't have to, we decided to quarantine just, you know, as a polite thing to do to everyone else in the UK we drank every day we probably drank a bottle of wine a day it was so bad and it got to the point where I was just like I turned to Chris one day and I was like look I like a drink and I was like but I feel like this is too much I feel like we are drinking to excess and I'd wake up without a hangover because my body kind of got used to it but I'd wake up with this weird stomach ache where it was almost like I don't know it all felt like it was just sitting there in my tummy and I had no motivation to do anything productive and I was like oh should we just eat this should we eat this should we see if my cousin will go to the shop again and get this for us and I, I just turned to him and I was like I can't do this anymore I was like my body hates this I was like my my body loves healthy food because when I don't have healthy food and when I drink too much my mood changes and it's so weird like if I have something with too much sugar in it I just I feel angry and agitated
complicated because mm. I guess that's what sugar does to you. And I'm not someone who has that much sugar anyway. So when I do have it, I notice my mood get really like twitchy. And it's the same with alcohol. If I have too much alcohol, I just feel really down all the time. And when I have stuff like water and, you know, like smoothies or healthy meals, I feel so much happier, so much more positive and in like a really motivated mindset. Like I'm like, oh, I can do anything. You know, I've just, I feel good. And yeah, lockdown coming out of that when I got back to the Isle of Wight where I am now, I just kind of was like, well, now it's just me and my mum. My mum, you know, like she'll drink, but usually with like friends and stuff when we're in, you know, in lockdown, she wasn't drinking as much. And I was like, I just, now I don't have anyone to drink with. And now I'm in this position where I can kind of work on myself. I was like, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna drink so much anymore. And I just really eased off it. And now I'm at that point where I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't even feel like I need it. Like I had a drink yesterday when we finished work, but I was like, I could have gone without it. Yeah, that's a really good place to be in as well. But it's interesting you saying like, oh, you know, if you're eating right and you're having your smoothies and then how much better you feel. And it's like, mm. you feel good when you're doing things that you know are good for you. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's an interesting like cause and effect there. Mm. Whereas like how often after you've had a drink, do you have that same feeling? Like I can think about nights in my head where I'm like, I had a few drinks that night and I really had fun, but it can so easily swing past that level yeah. and then it's like you're having too much fun <laughs> yeah. but the thing that I always found ironic as well in my corporate office environment was like everyone who I worked with was like super into the gym and they would like go to the gym on their lunch breaks and they would be like runners and do all these gym classes and they would eat like salads at lunchtime and then they would go to the pub and have like four five six drinks and I'd be like mm. do you not see that that's very contradictory yeah I mean the thing is it's very easy for me because my real vice is like junk food mm. so I find it fairly easy not to drink whereas yeah. I know some people would find it a lot harder but yeah it's just it's just about balance like at the moment I'll only have maybe one glass of wine or two on a Sunday night um mm. me and my housemate watch West Wing on Sunday nights together I, I, yeah quite like a glass of wine with my yeah. political drama otherwise I've not really been drinking that much it is all moderation alcohol is another one of those things where it's like we've normalized it it's like all those memes and tweets and stuff about oh you know binge drinking in the park when you're in your teenage years like I personally never did that I didn't start drinking really until I was like well into university but yeah it's it's good to sort of re-examine what society tells us is normal and just decide yeah. whether or not uh, the right fit for us yeah that is so true I think we're all way too worried about what other people will say and how they will receive our take on things like it's so hard in I think it's actually becoming easier this year but I think it's been so hard to go against the grain and do things for you I think there's a lot of time in life we do things for other people and that's something I have noticed a lot this year a lot of the things that I have done throughout my life have been to gain gratification from someone else to be approved by someone else to make people like me to fit in and slowly this year I've started to realize oh, none of that makes me happy like if that doesn't make me happy if that doesn't bring me joy and make me feel good in myself why the fuck am I doing it you know and I think that's something that we all have to kind of take on and think like okay this might be what society says is acceptable but it's not it's not what I want to do anymore like and that goes for absolutely anything whether that's alcohol the way you dress the way you look 
the thoughts you have, like absolutely anything that is authentically you is acceptable and it doesn't matter what anyone else says like that's that's your choice it's your opinion other people can say what they want but at the end of the day it's only you that needs to be okay with it absolutely i completely agree with you um and it's it's funny because um when it came to disney and happy mondays and becoming head last that was like something i never would have foreseen for myself um and a big part of why i started doing it was like there was this guy that i really liked and he was head lad and he wasn't there for my whole program but in fact he was gone by the time i became head last but like part of the reason that i was like oh well i want to be head last because it will really impress him yeah and i don't regret becoming head last like it was one of my favorite things i've ever done but not because of the drinking at all like because of the friendships that i made through happy mondays mm. like when i go out and stay with my american friends every year like i only know them because of Mondays um so there was some real positives that came out of it but ultimately like I went into that for the wrong reasons and I found that the the people from Disney that I still talked to were not very involved in Mondays and that yeah that's interesting I still keep in touch with a lot of uh, lads and lasses and stuff as well but it was almost like it was like something I was trying on but ultimately isn't really who I am. No, I know exactly what you mean. I think it all just, we always try to wear things that don't fit us and mm. eventually it works out. I think as well, that's like what your 20s are for. It's like yeah. trying on different personalities and hanging out yeah. with different people and making mistakes. And uh, yeah, I think you learn a lot in your 20s. I just turned 30 in August. So Mm. I've definitely been like reflecting back on that decade and all the things I did and what I like the mistakes I made and what I wouldn't do again. I wouldn't want to relive my 20s. (laughs) I think everyone says that. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is like you want to go back for if you could take the wisdom you have now, mm-hmm. that then you would do it. But if you had to relive it all again, no way. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh my god. It's like the the amount of hats you wear and the the dramas that mold you into who you are today are just not ones that you want to relive. It's so crazy looking back on everything you've done in your twenties and thinking like who the fuck is that? Like, honestly, I look at I look at who I was at certain areas of my life and I just, I find it so embarrassing and I feel, I still feel a bit of humiliation for some of it. And I'd, I'd like, I almost don't ever want to talk to the people that were in some phases of my life because they'll still have that opinion of me. And it's so horrible and uncomfortable, but also very important to kind of take away that experience and learn from it. And I think as well, uh, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I took so much crap in my 20s that I just would not stand for now. Like you look back at certain situations and you're like, why did I let that person treat me that way or talk Mm -hmm. to me that way? And why did I think that they were so important? It's good. Growing up is good. Don't be afraid of it. (laughs) Very, very good. I think the one thing I've learned more than anything is to stop being so agreeable. Yes. Oh my God spot on yeah Mm. definitely like if you don't like something you don't have to do it no yeah that makes me feel icky the amount i was so agreeable especially with men oh don't even get me started (laughs) yeah i look back and i think oh grab backbone you spineless Haley. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh i think growing in self-confidence and Mm -hmm. uh self-respect yeah all the selves self-worth self-respect yeah it only grows as you get older and you experience more. And my mom is always saying to me, she's like, oh, you know, by the time you're my age, you're going to be so fierce. And I'm like, cool. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Sooner, but sure. <laughs> I think you already are fierce. Yeah. 
Well, thanks. You too. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Just two fierce ladies. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's crazy to me as well that for the best part of the last decade, I haven't spoken about my Crohn's disease at all. And now I'm like talking on a podcast about it. No, it's definitely. Great. Spread that awareness. Thank you for opening up and sharing about your Crohn's experience. I think it will help so many people. It's, a, it's quite a scary time as well, I think, to be freshly diagnosed um because I, I had to go into the hospital in april for treatment at like the mm. height of uh, the pandemic and so i can't even imagine what it must be like for people who are only just being diagnosed so we'll leave it on this what would be your main piece of advice for anyone that is either in the early stages or at the same stage as you what would what advice would you give them i would say listen to your doctors and communicate with them and your nurses as well keep a food diary like watch your diet because everyone's sort of food triggers are different get lots of rest drink lots of water and definitely take some vitamins and supplements if you're losing and yeah talk to your friends and family about it so that they can support you well honestly i absolutely loved that so thank you so much olivia for opening up and being so honest and real and vulnerable with what you've gone through that i just think that will help so many people that are going through the same thing or going through something similar i hope you've all enjoyed today's episode as usual if you are enjoying the show it would mean the world if you could rate us and review us and let us know your thoughts if you've listened today give us a screenshot tag us in social media i always love seeing people listening to the show and enjoying it and i will speak to you next week for another episode of conversation time